Hello and welcome to Coach Mark and Manila here from ESLBusinessEnglishExperts.com and of course Initial-Impact.com. Today I'm going to be speaking about British culture. I'm getting many requests here from my students and clients worldwide to understand a little bit more about British culture, maybe some of our phrases that we use and also our accents because uh, <laughs> there's quite a variety across the, uh, the Great British Isles. And it can be confusing. And um, this is why I highly recommend taking part in joint group sessions, which of course I also offer, um, as well as many other providers and out there who do as well, because it gives you a chance to practice your English with other non-native speakers of English as a second or foreign language, because you are not going to be blessed, uh, unless you're really fortunate, in working in a multinational where everybody is either an American, a Canadian, a British person speaking English as a native language, you have to understand accents like Indian accents speaking English, German people speaking English, okay? It's really important. So if you're interested in joining a group session, go to eslbusinessenglishexperts.com and you can sign up for my next group intake, which starts in December, all being well. So today, um, to start this off, to kick this off, and I think I'm going to do more about the British culture and heritage and even our history because you can use these podcasts to um, understand some of the language I'm using in context to what I'm referring to as well as learning about British culture. So many people approach me for their coaching because they want to learn from a British English coach and not an American English coach. Um, sometimes my Korean students, you've been exposed to just mainly American English as it is in the Philippines. And of course, you know, that's absolutely great. But in addition, you want and now crave to understand the other side, which is the British English version of this, um, and to really understand the differences and some of the uh, different expressions that we use to mean the same things. So let me talk about Harry Potter today. Okay, now <laughs> Harry Potter has become a bit of a, um, a, a bane of my life. That's a lovely expression. To be the bane of my life becomes a bit like, um, yeah, something I don't particularly enjoy. Mainly because when I first came to the Philippines and uh, the majority of people, if you're not aware about the Philippines, expats who might come here or visitors are mainly from America or Australia. So when I came and I opened my mouth, people would assume until they heard me speak I was American or Australian. Of course, when they open them out, they're like, hmm, what's that accent? We're not familiar with this. Okay. So, and then I would explain it's British and then say, oh, Harry Potter, straight away. The first thing that people responded is Harry Potter, because of course it was very popular, but ever more so in Asia. And Harry Potter really blew up over here like nothing else. And because of course, in comparison to where the Philippines is based and then where the UK is located geographically, and um, it was just seen as this far-flung away place, and it has a quintessential charm about it. There's some lovely words here. If you're listening to this podcast, I hope you're doing some active listening, as I encourage you all to do. Get your pen and paper, get your tablet or whatever, your cell phone, and make a note of these words and use it. Quintessential. What does that mean? I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to look that one up, okay? That's your challenge. Right, okay. So Harry Potter, how does he and why does he represent British culture? because I would always get asked about Harry Potter. And the other thing I would get asked next is, do I know any of the royalty? Obviously, when the Queen was alive, the late Queen was alive, I used to get asked, do you know the Queen? Like, I should know the Queen. I don't know why, but it was just a funny thing that everybody would say. Okay, so when we look at Harry Potter, 
it really does, I guess, play on the the emphasis of what is Britishness, okay? And this in itself is what made Harry Potter, I believe, other than its magical storyline and quite unusualness, but it was that Britishness that was emphasised and sold within the Harry Potter franchise. J.K. Rowling really did uh, do a number on this one and, of course, has made herself a lot, a lot of money out of this. So if you're looking at this from a business point of view, it's a good business study case to see how she absolutely uh, leveraged the whole thing as a British export, okay? Um, so if we look at it all, okay, everything in the Harry Potter, the themes, the ideas, the audience, everything is very specific and looks at the British culture and identity, and it is heavily publicized, okay, within the franchise itself. So why on earth, why on earth does Harry Potter bring about this iconic feeling of Britain. And does that iconic in Britain really exist anymore these days? Um, I don't want to burst anyone's bubble here, but I often speak with clients here um, and students who have this lovely romantic nostalgic idea about what Britain is to this day. Um, and I suppose the Britain that they are speaking about is something I would imagine I remember seeing as a young child in movies, probably from the 19... 40s and 50s, that quintessential again, there's that word, you're going to have to look it up, nostalgic time, where we might say we were looking at everything through rose-tinted spectacles, that's a nice idiom, meaning that we look at things uh, perhaps in a nicer way than they truly are. We put those rose-tinted lenses on our face over our eyes and it suddenly makes everything look warm and colourful and kind of, yeah, comfortable, um, rather than being harsh, the harsh realities of life. So we say rose-tinted spectacles is kind of looking at things in a way that isn't actually as good as you think it is, okay? And we often do that when we look back in life and we think we had it better five years ago because we're looking at it from rose-tinted spectacles. We've forgotten the bad relationships we're in or all the other stuff that was going on. Okay, now, if you look at prominent and reoccurring imagery, look at those words. What does prominent mean? Prominent means sticking right up, the things that hit you most. Reoccurring. Okay, repetitive, keeps happening. Reoccur, to occur, a happening, to reoccur, okay, keeps happening, okay? So it emphasizes certain aspects of British culture and identity. So if you look at it, Hogwarts itself, the school robes, okay? If you look at just the robes themselves, the gowns that they wore, okay, um, they consistently were showing the characters in these costumes, okay, more than any other type of casual clothes, right? If you think about it, you're often seeing them wearing their same uniform and these robes. So they are really trying to push the importance of it being like a uniform, okay? And you've got the castle as well, remember? So the architecture itself is very, uh, it's highly linked with British culture, okay, ancient culture which brings back a sense of nostalgia about Britain's past because it's not the present. It really doesn't exist anymore, but it takes us back to a time where we might have looked at things in a slightly different way. And also, you look at the boarding school. Boarding schools were very much kind of de rigueur. There's a French word that's in the English lexicon there, okay? You're going to have to look that one up too. That's your other challenge, okay? So really, they were from a certain time, okay, in the past. So if we look at it, it's a, it's a, I don't know how you can really put it, but it's kind of tipping and pressing all of the buttons that we hold about stereotypes of what Britain used to be. Okay, Great Britain, 
Okay, we look at that now. I'm not so sure Britain, sadly, is very great these days at all. It's going through an awful, awful time, and really, it's very messy. Um, I don't really feel British anymore. Looking, I've been out of my own country now for over five years. So to be saying that I feel British, I don't know. I think you become a product of the environment and the countries that you live in. Uh, of course, I've got a British heritage. Um, but whether it is truly representative of what Britain is today, I don't feel it is. But um, we shall watch and see what happens to Great Britain and the UK. Um, if we look okay, at the whole context of Harry Potter, it's nostalgic. Okay, it's an iconic institution. Listen to those words, right? Okay, iconic, memorable. Like we would say, Marilyn Monroe was iconic. Okay? She stood out, and she's remembered even though she is long gone. Um, and when we when we consider, okay, how things are viewed, okay, on the big screen, we always see the repetitive, okay, iconography of British heritage. So we look at this in marketing campaigns, nostalgic campaigns, the monarchy is represented. These are stereotypes. And these stereotypes kind of make us feel a certain way about what we look at, which is why Harry Potter became such a phenomenon, right? Okay, it really did hit hard because it emphasizes all of the certain themes and ideas that you have stereotypes of Britain. But I would say a Britain that is no longer in existence. So it's taking us back to times where if you lived in those sorts of times and you're that age, you would feel kind of, oh, this is lovely and warm. So you might enjoy reading the books yourself or reading with your children and grandchildren. Okay, um, And if you aren't from those eras, if you, you never were around at that particular point in time, you might just think those times were better. So you would enjoy reading these books because they take you back to something that feels kind of uh, escapism. Okay, away from the current situation that you're all facing here and even back then when the books were published. Okay, um, It really does hit hard. Okay, There is all kinds of uh, iconography in here. And if you look at how the books and the films then later developed, they did still keep that going. Okay? It went all the way through. And I believe that this is why Harry Potter was such a success because it touched upon the whole British culture, okay? It really did uh, captivate something about it with the boarding school and of course the language, okay? All of the accents, if you think in Harry Potter, were terribly British. And if you listen to that, terribly British, what does that mean? Terrible means awful. But actually in that context, when you say terribly British, it means very, exceptionally, right? So you can say, I'm terribly excited. Now, that's a weird thing to put together, isn't it? Why are you terribly excited? Terrible means awful. So where would you be? Like, where would that be a bad thing? But it's not. When we say terribly excited, it changes its meaning to mean very. Okay. All right. So this is something for you to consider how you might use it. Okay. So you also might say things like, I'm terribly hungry. Now, clearly, that is a bad thing. You don't want to be hungry. But terribly again means exceptionally, highly. Right? And listen to those words. Instead of just saying very this, very that, go for the bigger words, exceptionally, okay, massively, exponentially, right? What does exponential mean? Oh, my goodness, it's like wide and far-ranging and huge, okay, humongous. There's another nice word there. All of these words aren't really used enough. And the thing is, is that if you start to add these into your lexicon, start speaking them in your meetings, etc., you're going to sound instantly better. This is a key thing I'd like you all to really understand here. 
that if you just pick some nice high level words and scatter them into your conversations with your basic sounds, you're going to immediately lift how you are perceived. You don't have to do a load of hard work. Okay, you can just drop them in like a little bit of spice into your day to day conversation and voila, you will start to sound better and the response you get from people will be even better. So, yeah, Harry Potter, the accents, the words. OK, we had, um, you know, things like ridiculous. Right. OK, if you listen to that. Right. It's ridiculous. Right. The ridiculous spell. So the, the, the point is this. Harry Potter. Yeah. OK very british culture but it represented a culture that had long ceased to actually exist okay if you come to the uk expecting to find harry potter culture somewhere in existence you will probably be quite disappointed okay so i think it's better that you just enjoy the books and the movies and really revel in that time of course there's loads of nostalgic uh, black and white movies out there from those times which you can lose yourself in and it's a really lovely time i think of the the decades, I suppose, the centuries to look at, I would say. It does seem to have had a charm all of its own, and I believe that's why Harry Potter was very popular. I don't think we're ever going to lose this, uh, this love for all things nostalgic about Great Britain. Um, it Certainly in its heyday, Great Britain really did have something about it, and, and it would be nice, and I do hope eventually that Great Britain could get that back. Um, but I'm not too sure how likely that is. That leaves me on the final note just to talk about what's the difference between hope and wish. Does anybody have any clues as to why hope and wish are slightly different? Okay. So, for example, I wish that the UK would get back to its previous form of glory, perhaps from the 1940s and 50s even, although I'm sure people from those times would probably say it wasn't so good, but I do believe it had something about it at those times. However... Wishing that doesn't necessarily make it so. It's kind of unlikely. So if we wish something, it means we want it, but there's a very low probability of it happening. A hope is stronger. A hope is, you know what, I hope that you will have an excellent day. It means it's more likely it could happen, and I'm sure it will happen for you. Remember this, no matter what it is that is interesting you about English right now, whether it be Harry Potter or whether it be something else, you are only limited in your progression in English by what you do and what you believe you can do. So today, I hope you've listened to this podcast. I do hope you go and research those words I gave you earlier. If you want to impress me, why not drop me a message on Telegram and tell me that you found out what they were? Or even better, just phone in a response to this podcast. You can leave me a voice message on this podcast. It's that simple. All you have to do is do it now, all right? So look, good luck, everybody. Keep going. And I will see you again soon for another edition of the Coach Marky Manila podcast. Take care. Hello, everybody. And sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to mention a few things that can help you. All right. So I want to help as many of you as possible. You can get a free 30 minute check of your English level, your OET, IELTS or any other things that you're trying to achieve here with me. If you're trying to pass your interviews, maybe you're attempting to get a job overseas. You would like to know how you're sounding and what a native speaker really would say about your responses in an interview or an IELTS or OET test, for example. And check out that at eslbusinessenglishexperts.com. If you're looking more for career and immigration coaching and would like to discuss your plans, then you can 
hit me up over at initial-impact.com. But both of those sites, the links take you to the same end result, which is a booking page, 30 minutes free of charge to book your session, time and date you pick on Zoom. Also, if you're doing IELTS and OET and you would like help with your written or speaking tasks too, and you don't or can't have the time to book a session with me in person on a live call, which again, I can do. You can get live one-to-one coaching on Zoom anytime you like. But if it's hard for you, then take advantage of my IELTS and OET written and spoken task service, which means that you buy credits, 10 credits, 10 tasks, and you can submit your spoken audio files to me for critique and review, and then I will respond within 36 hours with a full review of your transcript and to tell you where you sounded good, where it fell down, and the corrections, okay? And for your written IELTS and OET, again, you can select all the tasks on my booking site, which the links are all uh, all available. If you just go to eslbusinessenglishexperts.com, you can find all of these services there and follow the links. And what you'll be able to do is get a response from me within 36 hours with correction of your written task. And then you get a chance to do it again with the corrections I've suggested. And I will also expand and give some of the native phrases you might like to consider. So you're going to find out how to make yourself sound better, to hit the magical number um, that you need to get for a word count, pass and get the higher grade, and also how to expand your sentences and create essays because many students are struggling to know even how to, to create an academic layout of an essay. Um, you're going to fall down there too. When it comes to OET, it's slightly different, but the same process applies. We look at how you structure those referral letters and how you write the client and the patient notes. Okay, So it's very specific, depending on whether it's OET or IELTS. Um, I do it all. Me and my team, we are here to help you. Okay, So don't hesitate to reach out. And of course, please, 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 if you'd like to purchase any books, then you can get that from the bookstore links. Again, you'll find those all on the site. So good luck, everybody, and hope to help you soon.